Um, it feels a bit to me like eating your vegetables. Uh, Brussels sprouts might be good for you, but some people, we have a picture there, um, th don't think they taste very good, most kids, I think. Now, you might be more godly than me. You might really enjoy sinking your teeth into the heavy doctrine. And it is really incredible um, theology. Don't let me um, detract from that at all. You might be happy that we've finally gotten to the business end of Romans and now there's some practical stuff. And you, find, you found the stuff on love, loving one another, really helpful, if not challenging. That's great. Uh, for me, what has really saved Romans for me has been uh, this chapter here, Romans 15. And what I love about chapter 15 is that I can finally see where Paul is going with all of this in his long letter that we're finally getting to the end of. You probably know by now, Paul is writing to a church in Rome. He hasn't yet met them. Uh, it may have started as a group of uh, Jewish converts, maybe Jews who are even there on the day of Pentecost. Um, but now um, there are new Christians from a non-Jewish background, the Gentiles, and, um, and possibly the Gentiles are now a majority and uh, maybe even a majority of the, um, of the leadership of that church. Paul has this great visionary statement. I'm so tempted to preach all of chapter 15, but you'll get the second half next week. Um, but in, in verse 20, which is in the second half, he says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named. Paul wants to plant churches in new and unreached areas. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 16, Paul says it this way, I want to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. He keeps wanting to go to new areas where nobody has ever heard about Jesus. Back in Romans chapter 15, in verse 24, again the second part of the chapter, Paul talks about his desire to go to Spain, for Rome to be a stopping point on his way to Spain. But not just a stopping point, but he hopes that the church in Rome will support him, will send him and help him on his mission to Spain, maybe even send some people with him. Now we don't know if Paul ever got to Spain. Some people think he did, some think he didn't. But he had a huge vision for the gospel and that's what excites me. Um, some of you know uh, that I myself spent uh, 14 years with my family in Pakistan as a missionary. So this is uh, my passage, thanks Mike for asking me to preach this one. Let's imagine that this was Paul's purpose in writing Romans, or at least one of them, to get the church in Rome to help him on his way to Spain. And, um, and next week you'll get to read um, those verses and see if you think uh, that's, that's what his purpose is. That's, that's how I read it. If that's true, it means that all the doctrine in Romans 1 to 8 and the stuff on predestination, the stuff about love that we've just had, all of that is directed to this end to help Paul get to Spain, to take the gospel to Spain. Paul's doctrine in Romans, his doctrine, his teaching on love, they're good just in themselves. They really are, even if they don't always turn me on. They don't need to have a further purpose. Let me say that. 
They're good in and of themselves, whether I appreciate it, and I, I do. But unlike Brussels sprouts, they are both tasty and good for us, even if they're hard work. But for me, you see, from what, what we read in chapter 15, they serve a, a bigger purpose, all of this previous stuff in, in Romans. Spending time to make the gospel clear is important because Paul wants the church in Rome to be on the same page with him. He wants them to be on the same page with each other in understanding the gospel, both Jews and Gentiles, and especially as they're preparing for mission to take the gospel further afield. Let's get this right, our message right. Last week and this week, uh, we're looking at how to love one another through how the weak and the strong live together in the church, how they treat one another. You see, Gentiles are coming to know Jesus in Rome. They're possibly the majority of the church, the majority of the leadership. They practice their faith differently. People are coming into the church who are a bit different and now maybe they're even taking over. They don't follow the Jewish food rules that have been going on for all those years in the Old Testament. They don't follow the Jewish special religious days. That's okay. Paul's telling them. In fact, he says a proper understanding of Christian freedom, which comes, um, which comes out of what he's already been talking about in the first part of Romans, Christian freedom, that shows that it's the Gentiles, these new guys, who are actually the strong ones and the Jews haven't quite yet grasped it. That's okay. Be patient with them. Don't judge them. What might this look like for mission to Spain? If there were Jewish Christians in Spain, often the, the church is started by gathering a group of Jewish converts, the same issue is going to come up there as it's come up in Rome, so let's get it sorted. If there are only, if there are no Jews and only Gentiles, then the Jews in Rome need to be supportive of this mission, don't they? And not hesitant. An ascending church doesn't want to be a fighting church. Their life together should reflect and commend the gospel as they get ready for this mission. Again, what I love here is Paul's big vision and he's writing to focus their minds, their hearts and their actions towards one another all in this direction of mission. So in this chapter, we step back a little bit from the issues of loving one another and um, in particular, the issue of the weak and the strong, and we see why Paul is asking us to do this. It's good in and of itself, but it also, he's got some good reasons. So what we're going to be looking at today, Paul touches again, the start of the chapter, on the issue at hand, speaking to the strong, don't please yourself, but please your neighbour. He refers to the example of Jesus and Old Testament scripture, and then he shows from the scriptures that it is for the sake of the Gentiles. That's where he's going, for the sake of the Gentiles. Don't please yourself. It's Jesus and Scripture and the Gentiles. We're going to get through the rest of the points a little bit more quickly, so don't worry about that. Well, in our first point, continuing from last week, but putting it in a slightly different way, Paul says, don't use your strength to please yourself, but rather bear with the failings of the weak, not to judge them 
or to criticise them, but to support them and to love them. See that in verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbours for their good to build them up. The idea of bearing with their failings is not just tolerating them, but helping them, building them up. And not just so they can you know, think the right way, <laughs> like me, but encouraging them, building them up. And isn't it in one of those happy paradoxes of the way that God works, by not seeking our own good, by not building ourselves up, by looking out for the needs of others, we actually achieve our own good. We actually build ourselves up, don't we, as we look out for and try and build up others. Verse 3, Paul moves on to the example of Jesus. A quote from scripture, Jesus did not please himself, but he bore the insults that should have been ours. Instead of indulging because we have the freedom to do so, expressing our freedoms, we are, when it's appropriate, the strong to abstain for our neighbour for whom Christ died. Uh, In our next point, we have an encouragement in verse 4 that scripture was written in the past. Why was scripture written? It it was written to teach us to... um, Can we have the, the next verse up, please? It was written to teach us to help us to endure and to give us hope. When you read your Bible, do you think that that's what it's going to do for you? to teach you, to help you to endure and to give you hope. That's an encouragement, isn't it? When you wake up, don't feel like reading the Bible, which is me most mornings. And there's more encouragement to come. Look at verse 5. When you think about God, do you think about God as the God of endurance and encouragement? What a great way to think about our God. It's like Paul almost renames him. And then we see the result in verse 6, that with one mind and one voice we may glorify God. In verse 7, bring praise to God. Here's a prayer that Paul prays, and I'd like to pray this prayer for you right now. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you Parkville 10am congregation the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ I wonder if Paul was thinking of a song when he wrote that how good it is so with one voice we'll sing to the Lord with one heart we'll live out his word Till the whole world sees the Redeemer has come, for he dwells in the presence of his people. I think you've seen that one here. I wonder if Paul stole from that when he was writing Romans. <laughs> in our third point, we see this is for the sake of the Gentiles. From verse 8, it's like we take another step back to see God's bigger plan and what's really going on here. You see, it's not just about people getting along with each other. It's not just about the weak 
and are strong. It's not just about understanding Christian freedom properly. It's not even about just loving our neighbour or following the example of Jesus. And all those things, of course, are good things. Paul gives us a big picture, Bible view, another great reason to read your Bible, of God's bigger purposes for the world and for history. We're going to take a moment to look at that. Verse 8, Christ has become a servant of the Jews because of the promises made to the patriarchs that they might be confirmed. The patriarch Abraham was the father of the Jewish nation. God promised that he would make a great nation from the family of Abraham. He said when he made his promise to Abraham, in you all the families of the world would be blessed. Genesis 12, 3. Next um, slide, please. And the purpose... Do we have the next slide? That's um, Genesis, is it? Yeah, that's the one. In you, um, all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And the purpose is that the Gentiles might glorify God back in Romans 15, 9. In verse 10, the Gentiles... So Paul's got a whole bunch of quotes from Scripture here and we can see they're all about the Gentiles. First of all, in verse 9, that the Gentiles might glorify God. In verse 10, that the Gentiles will rejoice with God's people and praise him. In verse 11, that all the peoples would extol him. In verse 12, that the Gentiles would hope in Jesus, the root of Jesse, that was the father of King David, the one, this is, this is, um, this is Jesus, the one who will arise to rule over the nations. The promises that were made to Abraham to bless the world have come true in Jesus. This is a big picture of the Old Testament and where the Bible is going. So all of a sudden what Paul's doing here in Romans, he's teaching his doctrine, his commands to love in Romans have a much bigger purpose. CMS, the Church Missionary Society, describes God's purpose as a world that knows Jesus. Can we have a slide for that? But this isn't just coming out of Romans 15. Last week, we heard Mike um, showing us how Paul was uh, quoting scripture, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess in Romans 14. And then Mike showed us that the orb that was sitting on top of the, um, the Queen's um, coffin doesn't just mean Christianity over the world, but Jesus over the world, Jesus over the whole world. Not just ruling, but being joyfully obeyed and joyfully praised. I love it that Romans is a missionary book. That's what I've discovered in chapter 15. And so I'm also preaching with my global missions chair hat on. If you struggle with the difficult doctrines in the first part of Romans, if you find it hard to love one another, if you find it hard to put up with your weaker or your stronger sister or brother, to submit to authority, they're all good things we need to learn to do, 
because God tells us to. But what I want you to see here is the ultimate purpose of this, where God is taking history, is a world where God indeed rules, where Jesus rules over the world, of all people praising God together, a world that knows Jesus. That's why we do this stuff. We've just heard in the notices about praying for Jesus, uh, praying for Brunswick and praying for Parkville. Had it occurred to you that a bit earlier this year when we had those sermons on the cross, which are very similar to the doctrines, and, and the, they are the doctrines we had passages from Romans 1 to 8, that though they are preparing you for mission to Brunswick or Parkville or whatever you choose to do. What about these recent sermons on Romans 12 to 14 on loving one another, submitting to authority, the weak and the strong loving one another? That too is getting you ready for mission to Brunswick or wherever. I think you're ready. God has been preparing you The doctrines of grace and righteousness through faith in Christ's blood shed on the cross, they tell us how someone comes to know Jesus. It doesn't depend on how good the evangelist is or the sending church. That's good news, isn't it? The doctrines of God's sovereignty from Romans 9 to 11 tell us that God does have a plan to reach people, including people in Brunswick and Parkville, and that God will indeed achieve those plans So we're working alongside God. If God wants to save people in Brunswick, that's a good reason to pray for them, to consider reaching out to them with the love of Jesus because then God will use you to do it. Coming back to the subject at hand, the weak and the strong, Paul is asking the strong to bear with the weak and connecting that with God's plan to reach the whole world. Why should you learn to love one another better here at Parkville? Why should the strong learn to bear with the weak? It is just a good thing to do and God says to do it. But ultimately, verse 9, so that the Gentiles might glorify God. Why might you consider making your church practices friendly to outsiders, even if the, the style of church might not suit you, but it might suit your brother or sister or people who might come into the church to sing praise to the Gentiles, verse 10. Why might your already busy musicians take some time to come and play at the estate? I had to get that one in. (laughs) And they already have been, thank you. Why might people want to come and help with our homework club so that the Gentiles might praise God? to help us in our mission. Why does St Jude's, including Parkville, spend a portion of its budget supporting global mission partners? Why do we pray for them and care for them? Why should we send our best and most prepared people overseas instead of keeping them here so that in him the Gentiles will hope? 
in each of these instances, and you might think maybe some of them are tenuous applications, the love that you practice in the congregation, the way you practice not pleasing yourself but pleasing the other, overflows so that not only people in your congregation but ultimately the whole world is blessed. Can you see that? And they get to hear about Jesus. That's why we do it. Uh, I want to finish with the uh, CMS uh, Vision 2024 prayer. It's a prayer that CMS have used for their vision to raise up 24 missionaries from Victoria. Um, We have people here from other missionary societies and um, we support those as well. This isn't just to promote CMS. But uh, the prayer actually brings out some of the themes that uh, that I've been speaking of. So as we finish, um, I'd like you to pray this prayer with me. It's a bit dense and I might slow it down so we can... um, Read the words, uh, but let's, um, let's pray this together. Gracious God, our Father in heaven, you have revealed by your Spirit in your word the clarity of your saving purposes for all the world achieved through the precious death of your only Son. Throughout the generations, you have been pleased to raise up and use women and men to proclaim your saving word to our dying world. Use us, O Lord, in our day as agents of your saving grace to the nations. Raise up more men and women from our midst, willing to go to the ends of the earth for you. Strengthen the passion of your church here Come up the next one. Strengthen the passion of your church here to give the best of their time, energy, resources and people to work of the gospel among the great multitudes of the earth. In accordance with your gracious will and refining purposes, bless our church in equal measure as our determination to bless the world. Can you see what we've just prayed there? God bless us in the measure of our determination to bless the world. Let's continue. Holy God, we long to see a world that knows Jesus. Increase our longing. Empower our endeavours. Encourage us with signs of your saving grace showered upon the world. We dare to ask for 24 CMS missionary units sent from Victoria by 2024. Lord of the harvest, raise up your workers, younger and older, couples, singles, couples and families. We dare to pray for the means to support and send them. Lord of the harvest, stir up your church. We dare to pray that you continue to bless and use the efforts of our society, CMS. Lord of the Church, bless our society. All this we ask in the name of Jesus and only for your glory. Amen.